The book of Psalms has an interesting promise about God's provision for the righteous when they are afflicted. But what would you say if we told you that this hope-filled promise came amid a hopeless time? Let's talk about that today on the THP Online Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to the THP Online Community Podcast. I'm Rick, one of the ministers here on staff at The Healing Place, and we are so glad that you have hit the play button today. Whether you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or website, thank you for inviting us to where you are today. In today's podcast, we are looking at a promise of hope found in the book of Psalms. What's interesting about this promise is that it was written during a time of hopelessness. Our media pastor, Dallas, will be taking some time to walk us through the background of this passage and why it's so imperative for us to lean into the Lord when we are in the midst of our darkest times. We want to encourage you to lean into today's message and take some notes. Afterward, please reach out to us if you have any prayer requests questions, or want to take your next step in the Lord. You can email us at mediahub at thpshreveport.com or contact us on our social media platforms. Look for the THP Shreveport on Facebook and Instagram. All that being said, let's get into today's message. Good morning, THB Online community. Thank you so much for inviting us to wherever you are at today. As you guys can tell, I'm not Scott, I'm Dallas, and uh, I am so thankful for the opportunity to come and, and be with you guys here on this platform and to share something with you, something very, very special. Sharing the Word of God is a passion of mine, and I'm always thankful for the opportunity to share it with anybody. <laughs> so we're going to be continuing our series on God's promises um, with a really interesting one. But before I do that, I want to remind us about last week's promise because it's one of my favorites, being honest with you. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. This is an amazing promise that had um, a tire shift, the cause of a shift in the early church. If you want to know more about that, I want to encourage you to go check out last week's message. It's in our podcast feed. Shameless plug for you guys there. But in that promise, there's the understanding that no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you did in the past, if you are willing to put your faith into Jesus, believe in him, trust in what he says and what he has for you, you can be saved. It reminds me of another promise, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves you. He cares about you. This is a monumental distinction between what we believe as Christians and some of the other um, worldviews that are out there. There's a divine being who truly loves you and cares about you. The problem is that there are some people who when they hear that God loves them, There's a misconception of what that looks like. They believe that if God truly loves and if God is truly good, then there can never be suffering. There can never be pain. Then nothing bad would ever happen to them. But this is not a biblical worldview. The Bible never says that becoming a Christian means that nothing bad will ever happen. 
In fact, our promise today says quite the opposite, but offers hope at the same time. Our promise comes from a man named David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. And in this promise, we see a, a very specific truth that answers this problem of suffering within the Christian experience. That promise is Psalms chapter 34 and verse 19. It says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now that word afflictions that we see here, that can be translated a couple different ways. Another way that can be translated is trouble or adversity. You could take this verse and say, Many are the troubles and adversities of the righteous, but the, the, the Lord is faithful to deliver them out of every one of those things. No matter what you're going through, no matter the trouble and adversity you're going through in your life right now, the Lord can and will rescue you from those. But back to the passage. Again, this is David writing this. What kind of adversity could he know? What kind of troubles could David, a man after God's own heart, truly have experienced? This is where we got to look at the context of the passage. In your Bibles, at the top of it, there's a little vocabulary right there. Sometimes we dismiss these things because we don't think it's the actual scriptures, but this is actually, this is, this is baked in, if you will, into the original text describing what's happening. And what you see is that this was a psalm that David wrote in the midst of one of his darkest seasons. He literally had to act like an insane individual to escape the enemy. But that's just the tail end of things. Much more happened in the days leading up to this. And I want to give you guys just a little preview. I want you guys to look into this um, before we really dive into the promise. Before 1 Samuel chapter 18, David was a celebrated individual. He had slain the giant. He had uh, found favor in the eyes of the king and was playing music in his courts. He became best friends with the king's son. Life was good for David. It was a great time for him. He was faithful to the Lord. The Lord was faithful to him, and things seemed to be good. But then something happens. There's a shift that takes place. See, Saul was commanded by the Lord to do something very specific, and he disobeyed the Lord. And as such, God's favor and blessings were removed. And Samuel had to go and anoint David to become king. Now, it wasn't a, hey, you're going to be king right now today. It's down the road. But the, the title, the the job of king was to fall on David in time. And this sent Saul into a bit of a mad rage. He was now jealous of David. And he had plans to kill David, in fact. And in, first, in chapter 18, we see that starting to take place. He moves David from being in the courts playing music to being on the front lines of the battlefield, thinking the Philistines will kill him. Don't have to get blood on my hands. He'll be fine. Turns out David and his mighty men were really good at what they did, and he didn't die on the battlefield. So then he thought, okay, I have this. I have an idea. I'm going to have him marry my daughter. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Most of us are like, yeah, okay, cool. You get to marry the king's daughter. That's awesome. There's a bit of a catch. In this time frame, there's this thing called a dowry. It's kind of a big deal. It's not something we really do here uh, anymore in 2021. But back then, it was a hefty price. And David understood that he came from a poor family. He was a sheep herder. He didn't have an appropriate dowry to give to the king for the daughter of the king. 
what, what Saul's plan? Hey, don't worry about it. All you have to do is go out and bring me the foreskin of a hundred Philistines. Just go and cut them off. Take out these guys. His thought process is that in the process of doing this, David would find himself murdered by Philistines. Again, the king's hands were clean of the, that guilt. Didn't work out too well. David came back with 200 and moved on, married the wife. Great. <laughs> we go on to 1 Samuel chapter 19. Saul attempts to personally kill David by throwing spears at him. Not once, but twice. David keeps coming back. The Bible actually says that Saul specifically says that he is planning to pin David to the wall with the spears. I've made the joke before that, I don't know about you guys, if my boss started throwing spears at me like that, I probably wouldn't come back, yet David was faithful and did either way. But when that didn't work out, he basically sent assassins after David to go murder him. Again, David escaped. David was really good at escaping murder. <laughs> Like, he was very talented. Why? Because the Lord had his hand on him. There was blessing on David all the way through this. But Dallas, this is a lot of stuff. Why didn't God just stop Saul? God's blessing was the protection at the time. We then get to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Saul tries to pit David against his best friend. And at the end result, his best friend Jonathan, realizing that something's wrong here, helps David escape, which is a great thing. But now... David's on the run, leading us to chapter 21, where he's hungry and he's in need of supplies and he ends up having to lie to the priests to get some bread that really he's not supposed to eat. Um, Jesus has more to say about that later. <laughs> and a sword to protect himself. And he goes from there and he goes into the enemy camp, to the land of Gath, thinking, I can hide here. I can be safe here in the enemy territory because nobody knows me. Can you imagine being in such a desperate situation that you feel like you think the only place to run now is to the enemy's territory? The enemy knows your face and he knows what you've done. And the enemy knew David's face and they said, hey, let's take David. This is the guy that he killed 10,000 people. We got this. We'll take him. So David had to act insane it made him go, okay, we, we don't need a crazy person in our camp. Send him away. <laughs> Get him out of here. He's obviously a looney tune. This is the context that we have for this psalm. In these four chapters, David goes from being celebrated hero that's loved by the people to being heartbroken and crushed in spirit. He has to deal with the feelings of betrayal and growing sense of abandonment. He is living his life with no rest and a constant sense of danger at every single turn. This is the situation David's in. Yet, David declares in the midst of all this that he knows the Lord is near him and will rescue him. He's saying in Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the time frame when it's the, probably one of the, the, the wildest and most dangerous times he could have lived, he's saying, man, God is good. Let us worship him. Let's exalt him together in the midst of this terrible, turbulent time. In this great time of distress, distress, David observed a few things. First thing is this, the Lord sees you in your distress, and he hears your cries. Psalms chapter 34, verse 15 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open in their cry. The enemy 
would have you believe that you are alone and abandoned. This is the place where we find depression is bred, where anxiety finds its root in the life of an individual. When you feel like you're alone and completely abandoned, that's the situation at hand. That's where David's at. And for some of you, you're watching right now, you feel like that's you. You're like, Dallas, I don't feel like I can make it. I feel like I've been abandoned. I feel like that I'm, I'm in a place of darkness and I can't see the light. I need you to understand that God sees you. He sees where you're at. The fact you're watching this right now, the fact that you clicked on this video is proof that God says, I see you. I hear your cries. I'm with you right now. Do not give up hope. The question, though, is where do we go from here? If God sees us, what else happens? Well, what else did David observe? David observed that the Lord rescues us amid these terrible situations. Psalms 34, verse 17, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Again, another way of looking at this verse is that the Lord helps us to recover from the trouble that we have found ourselves in. We often want God to be like the magic genie. Rub it twice, genie pops off, what do you want? Poof, all your issues are gone. That's how we want God to work. But God's provision, God's salvation, God's hope for you it may take place in a variety of time frames in a variety of ways that you're not expecting. I'm sure David wished that God could just poof and change Saul's mind before anything took place. I'm sure there were nights where David was alone in the wilderness trying to figure out his next step before he's on the verge of going into the enemy's camp going, God, why can't Saul just chill out? Why can't you just fix this, Lord? But he realized the Lord has timing. And God's provision and God's hope, where he comes to rescue, can come through a variety of individuals. One of my darkest times was when I was a teenager. And um, my stepfather had basically left my family here, abandoned, homeless. Told us, don't, don't come back. That was rough. It was a terrible time frame for a 15-year-old. In the midst of it, I had gone to church and made a decision to follow Christ. I'm still struggling at this time. God's rescue, God's recovery came in a variety of forms through a variety of people. It came through a little old lady who every time I saw her made it a point to say, God loves you, little man and went out of her way to pick me up to bring me to church so I can experience what God has for me. My rescue came in the form of a youth leader who said, let me step in the gap because you don't have a man to really show you what it means to be a biblical man, and let me instruct you. Let me demonstrate my life in front of you so you can walk in what God really has for you. God provides and rescues us through a variety of ways. There are people in your life that he has set up to help you walk this out. You have to be willing to take them on that journey with you. You have to be willing to open your eyes, 
when we're in isolation, where we're in a state of fear, it's easy for us to go, nobody cares. There's nobody there. But little do you know that God is throwing people at you left and right. He's throwing situations and places in your life to go, I'm here. I see you. There's hope. Don't give up. I am going to provide a way for you to recover from the situation. Now, here's the deal. Like I said, the Lord hears you. He sees you. And he provides people for you to help rescue you, to help you recover from these situations. But I want you to understand that he provides true comfort and healing also. Psalms chapter 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Other translations, they look at that word contrite, and a better way of looking at it is a crushed spirit. Put to a spirit that is literally crushed into dust. Sometimes when you are heartbroken, you don't need anyone to do anything, to say anything, but to be there, to be present, to sit with you and to hear you. You're not looking for answers. You're just looking to be heard. God is with you. He's there with you right now. And he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid for you to be angry at him. He's not afraid of you to, to ask difficult things. He's there to hear you rant. And he's there to let you cry. And this is an example that's been used many times. We look at a funeral and right at the start of the funeral, you have everyone there. People come from miles around to be with you in the midst of a funeral. After the funeral, the party gets a little bit smaller. There's a little less people there. And maybe there's a, a meal train. They're bringing you food, and they're calling you up every so often. But what happens two, three, four weeks down the road? Who's there? The crowds have left. Even some of the small, close friends of yours maybe aren't as there as often. But the Lord is still there. He's not abandoned you. He's not left you. He's still there to bring you comfort, to bring you peace. Holy Spirit is there with you when you are heartbroken. You simply need to lean into him and allow him to bring you peace and comfort in that situation. But then sometimes we are a step beyond heartbroken. We are crushed. Our spirit is crushed completely. God brings true healing in these moments. He restores us through a variety of ways, primarily through salvation. That's the first big step there. But if you're truly, if your spirit is crushed, lean into the Lord and let him bring healing. When your spirit is turned to dust, who better to heal it than the man who brought life out of dust? That is what God wants to do. Dallas, I feel like I'm done. I can't do anymore. There's nothing else I can do. I can't move forward. Let God breathe life back into the dust of your heart. Let him rejuvenate you, bring you to new life, give you new purpose, revitalize the dreams that are dead, revitalize the hopes that are shattered, and help you to take your next step. So what's our response here? What do we do with this message? If you need healing today, and you're heartbroken, you need to draw God near to God, let us know. Reach out to us. Leave a comment in the chat right now. Say, I'm heartbroken. My spirit is crushed. I need prayer. Our moderators are there to pray with you.
Email us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Do not go forward. Do not turn off the stream until you've reached out and let somebody know that you need prayer. If you don't contact us, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's not about the healing place. It's not about Dallas Mora. It's not about Scott Etheridge or Matt Marino. It's about you and the Lord. But get somebody in your life who can lift you up, that helps you through this situation. Because like I said, the Lord's throwing people at you left and right, trying to help you. When David was on the run, there was the priest that helped him in his time of need. The priest didn't know what was going on necessarily, but he was present. Who can be present in your life? Who are you willing to let be present in your life? Now again, a lot of this is predicated on this aspect of the righteous. God draws near to the righteous. Those who have said, I can't do this. Lord, I need you. I need to serve you. I want to follow you. If that's you, you've come to the point where you realize you just need salvation. That's your first step is just coming to know the Lord and you're wanting to be saved. Let us pray with you. I'm going to pray with you guys here in just a minute. But the Lord wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. There's a verse at the end of this chapter, verse 34, or chapter 34. It says, verse 22, The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Your life has not been wasted. You're going through terrible times. You're going through tough, tough stuff, and you feel like it's all been for naught. The Lord will redeem the time. He will redeem your soul. He will bring hope and salvation if you will lean into him. And all we have to do is to repent, which means to turn away from our former lifestyle, and to be intentional about walking with the Lord, to read what's in the scriptures and simply do what it says. It's not complicated. You don't need five hours of, of, <laughs> of deliverance ministry, and you don't need five hours of, of college credits and a Bible school. I love college. I'm, I, I have a degree. Love it. But you don't need it. For salvation you just need to turn to the lord and walk it out so let us pray and again if you have something specific leave in the chat let us know reach out to us mediahub at thpstreetport.com let us know how we can help you take your next step let's pray god thank you so much for your presence and your grace thank you for this word thank you god that when we're in the midst of our worst and most troubling times you're present. You're there with us. You bring hope. You will draw near to the heartbroken and you will restore those who are crushed in spirit. Father, I pray for every person here that's dealing with feelings of abandonment and loneliness. You feel like nobody sees you. They feel like nobody cares. They're pondering whether or not they should just give up. Holy Spirit, be with them right now. Manifest in their lives right now and restore their hope. Let them know that you care about them. Let them know that there is a plan and purpose for their lives and they should not and cannot give up now because there's so much more that you have for them. I pray for those right now, Lord, that they don't know you. They've stumbled upon the stream. Grandma's making them watch it, but they've been convicted. They realize they need this peace. They're going, they've been going through troubling time after troubling time. They've lived a life where they feel like David, where they've been on the run. They can't trust people. It's been betrayal after betrayal, and they just need to find peace in a center with you. Holy Spirit, do a work in their lives. I pray that they repent of their sins and turn to you and begin to walk in what you have. Guys, thank you so much for being part of today's gathering. If we can pray with you, again, reach out to us. 
if you need help take your next step you don't know what the next step is you don't know maybe you don't know how to read your bible maybe you're you're not sure what to do with what you have reach out to us come be part of what we do here on campus if you're in the Shreveport area we have church every Sunday at 10 o'clock we have a bible study that takes place every Thursday at 7 p.m. that you can be part of, where you can get fed, where we can help you grow and take your next step. Do not do this alone. Let us help you. Have a great day, guys.